Duke had a retirement party for Coach K over the weekend and a basketball game broke out in the middle of it. The North Carolina Tar Heels crashed the party, walked right on into Cameron Indoor Stadium, picked up their signature win of the season, the first iconic win of the Hubert Davis era. They did it. Hashtag ruin a retirement party. And oh, by the way, the Tar Heels are going dancing. Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Monday, March 7th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked On Tar Heels podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making Locked On Tar Heels your first listen and your first watch on YouTube every single day. Don't forget that we are free and available on all podcast platforms. It wasn't only a big weekend for the Tar Heels basketball team, it was a big weekend for our podcast. We hit 100 subscribers on YouTube after just a week going on YouTube. That's awesome. Big congratulations to Davis Wallace for being the 100th subscriber. He got a free gift from the podcast. Congrats, brother. Don't spend it all at once. Thanks to all of you out there who have been subscribing as well. You're making this thing go from right out of the gate. It's so fun. What an honor to get to talk Tar Heels together. Today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by Stat Hero. Stat Hero is reshaping the way you play fantasy sports. Dozens of house-based games to play daily. No sharks, no funky props, just your skill versus the lineups you choose. Sign up today at stathero.com slash locked on. Well, we're going to spend our whole show today unpacking this huge win over Duke, all several different parts of the game, and in fact, we're going to have to spread it out over the week. There's just not enough time to pack it all in to one episode. So here's where we're starting today. The game. What do I mean by the game? Well, it's this. Coaches need a signature win to stake their claim as the head coach of a program, to announce their arrival, to announce that, hey, this program is here and we aren't going anywhere. Roy Williams had that back in 2003, 2004 when he started. That season had a couple big games. There was a win over number one UConn at home, big uh, Rashad McCants three-pointer to end that Almost upset number one Duke later that season, but ended up losing in overtime. But the signature, the iconic win of the beginning of the Roy Williams era in Chapel Hill was the next season. The uh, senior night, 2004-2005, Carolina eventually went on to be the national champions, defeating Illinois, the first national championship of Roy Williams' career. But it was all set up on senior night. At that point, Roy Williams was 0-3 against Duke in his tenure as the head coach of the Tar Heels. They had lost earlier that season in Cameron, but in that regular season finale, it was a freshman, a one-and-done, Marvin Williams, who had a three-point play with 17 seconds left. You, you know this well. You can probably close your eyes and picture it in your head. Capped off an 11-0 Carolina run and gave Roy Williams that signature iconic win of his career. And now when we look back, that is what we think of as the 
for me, at least maybe it is for you, the beginning of the Roy Williams era, even though it was his second season. So Coach Williams had the Marvin Williams putback game, and now Coach Hubert Davis has the I ruined Coach K's retirement party game. This is the signature, iconic, defining win of the beginning of the Hubert Davis era. We're going to look back decades from now and remember Saturday night inside Cameron for what happened. Think of everything surrounding the game. It's not just the win itself. All the, the pregame festivities, the postgame festivities. ESPN execs had to have been losing their mind as the game was about to tip. Things had already been pushed back from a 6 o'clock tip to 6.20 tip so that ESPN specifically could air the pregame Coach K retirement festivities. <laughs> Meanwhile, Texas and Kansas are, are mucking that all up. They end up going to overtime. ESPN's doing this whole split-screen thing showing the ending of that game with Coach K walking through the tunnel of former players. But like Kansas and, and Texas fans had to have been irate. I cannot imagine. And then, uh, so Carolina Duke had to start on ESPN2, and it bumped the game on ESPN2 to the ESPN app. So all of that's playing into this. All, all, the, all the Duke history in the stands, right? As you scanned through that crowd, it was an, just an amazing, frankly, sight to see all of that history in one place. And quite frankly, further highlighted how much Duke has changed as a program from being a program that produced these players who were there many years to now a one-and-done factory. It's, it's just different, but uh, that was odd. So all of that's going on surrounding the game. Keep in mind, as I talked about last week, for Duke, it really felt like like this was so much about the event of the whole thing, right? They had already wrapped up the number one seed in the ACC tournament. Yes, they're playing for NCAA tournament seeding, but, th but the game itself just didn't seem to matter as much to Duke in the lead up. And I think that showed as the game unfolded. For Carolina, it was very much about the game. Coach Davis had set up all week long, hey, we are going there to win a basketball game. We're not going to get wrapped up in the show, the spectacle of it all. We got business to attend to. We've still got to cement our status in the NCAA tournament. We've got to lock up a, a top seed. They already had a top four seed in the ACC tournament. But let's move up to two or three if we can to avoid Duke until the finals. Carolina was focused on the game, the win. They needed this win. Duke needed to honor Coach K. And so Coach Davis did a great job of setting that precedent. And so while Duke players and personnel and fans are all tied up in knots to make sure things go well, Coach Davis is over there cool as a cucumber. That's what you want in your head, Coach. I legitimately think that people surrounding the Duke program and in the Duke program never even stopped to consider the possibility that they might lose this basketball game. We're just, it's its Coach K's game. It, it's meant to be, right? No, nah, that is not what happened. Think of all the pain that surrounds big iconic moments. You can immediately think of the Austin Rivers shot over Tyler Zeller's outstretched arms. The Chris Jenkins shot, not Duke Carolina, but a big game that now we will see for the rest of the history of time when it comes to college basketball. This win, this victory is now part of that. 
This is not only part of the Carolina-Duke rivalry forever, but this win is part of college basketball lore forever. Think about the type of win it was. It was not close. It was not a buzzer beater in the end. It was not Duke choking or falling apart. This is a game that Carolina won. This is a game that Carolina won by double digits. This is a game that Carolina won by double digits in Cameron Indoor Stadium. This is a game that Carolina won by double digits in Cameron Indoor Stadium on senior night. This is a game that Carolina won by double digits in Cameron on senior night on the event of Coach K's retirement. Nothing will ever take that away. Adding more to why this is Coach Davis's signature win, it's so easy to get lost in all of that that I just said and forget, aside from it being a historically massive win, it's far and away the defining win of this 2021-22 season and moves the heels squarely off the tournament bubble and into the field. We're going to unpack that more tomorrow. What are the postseason ramifications of the win, both ACC tournament and NCAA tournament? So just put a pin in that for now. And honestly, this might be the biggest road win for any team in the country this season. So all of that context, everything surrounding it, everything going into it, everything happening nationally, everything that's happened for Carolina earlier in this season is what makes this Hubert Davis's signature win. Nothing will ever top it. He is here. The Tar Heels are here. I legitimately think you can make an argument for Hubert Davis as the ACC coach of the year now. Why not? And one of the, the, the final question we got to think about with this win is, is this the big, biggest regular season victory in Carolina history? Perhaps so. I'm, I haven't processed that enough. I haven't looked and thought, but we're going to unpack that later in this week. I promise you we're going to look to see where does this win fall in the history of North Carolina regular season wins. But for now, I feel very comfortable to say definitively, this is the signature win of the Hubert Davis era. As big games often do, there was a major turning point in the first half that set up Carolina's victory. What was it? I'm going to unpack that in just a minute. But first, let me tell you a little bit about Bet Online. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full swing. The NBA is back and going from the All-Star break. Selection Sunday is less than a week away. So from all the latest odds, totals, and player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs, plus game scores, podcasts, and the latest news. And it's not just basketball. Keep in mind that betonline.net has all sorts of odds, like College World Series championship odds, which are already out. Texas leads the way at 15 to 2 odds, and the Tar Heels are sitting at 80 to 1. By the way, we're going to talk about Carolina baseball this week. They are off to some kind of start this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. Today's episode is also brought to you by Run Your Pool. March Madness, as I just said, is less than a week away, and so that means you need to start thinking now about where you're going to be running your bracket games this year. Are you going for the usual, or are you looking for the best? Here at Locked On, we've done our homework, and we're running our brackets this year with runyourpool.com. Along with all the standard bracket games, Run Your Pool offers several different types of options, like survivor pools. 
They have great options to edit your scoring and they offer more intel to make your informed picks. All sorts of stuff that you won't find at ESPN or CBS. If you've got a business, runyourpool.com can help you take some of that March Madness magic and play alongside your employees or even gain some new customers. Plus, they offer full white glove customer support, custom branding, and one of the easiest three-minute setups you'll ever find. Clearly, we believe in Run Your Pool because, like I said, we're running all our brackets there ourselves. There's no truer test than that. If you want to play against us as part of the Locked On Network, there's an opportunity for you to win a cash prize where you can join us in uh, playing at runyourpool.com slash locked on. And while you're there, go ahead and create your own pool for your friends and family. Enter Pure Madness at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. All the rules and details will be available for you there. Again, that's runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize. We look forward to seeing you and beating you there. So, as I said, there was a huge turning point in the first half of this game. We're going to talk about that, but first I want to let you know about Locked On's Bracket Breakdown Show, which is going to happen next week after the reveal of the NCAA Tournament Bracket. So make sure to check out the Locked On Bracket Breakdown on March 14th right here. It'll show up in the Locked On Tar Heels podcast feed and YouTube channel. College basketball experts Chris Gordy, Andy Patton, and betting expert Lee Starling are going to give you in-depth breakdowns on every one of the matchups. Be sure to check that out. So let me set the scene for you in the first half so you can just understand the full context of why this turning point was so important. Let me set the scene. Carolina got out to an early seven-point lead in the game. It was 9-2 and then 11-4. Obviously, that, that doesn't win you any game, but it certainly is the start you need on a road. At home, Carolina got blitzed by Duke out of the, out of the gate, Baycott sitting on the bench in foul trouble. And so getting off to that kind of start was huge for the Tar Heels. As you would expect, though, Duke clawed their way back. The teams traded buckets back and forth, and Duke eventually got out to a nine-point lead at 37-28. to 28. And as often happens in Cameron, right, we've seen that thing happen to the Tar Heels and other teams where Duke just goes on a blitz like that at home and then the game's done. It's over. You're blown out. You can keep trying, but but you're done. At that point, as Carolina trailed by nine points, Baycott had two fouls and Paolo Bancaro is headed to the line for a one and one to extend it to potentially a double digit lead. So at that moment, there's three minutes and five seconds left before halftime. Duke's got all this momentum. They had taken this 14-0 run to turn what was a Carolina five-point lead into this Duke nine-point lead I just talked about. What happens? All right, here we go. Bancaro misses the front end of that one-and-one. That's huge in and of itself. He misses that, and then the Tar Heels go on this 11-4 run to close out the half. They take all that Duke momentum and turn it in their favor. And in fact, Carolina still trailed by eight points with 40 seconds left. But then Brady Manick hits a three. And then R.J. Davis hits a three as the clock runs out with no Duke points in between. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Carolina has reduced that lead down to two points at the half. 
And in so doing, getting it down to that two-point margin is what allows the Tar Heels to hang around early in the second half before they make this push midway through that where they ultimately take the lead and never relinquish it. So that stretch at the end of the first half, that final three minutes, just like the start of the game, that didn't win the game, but it stopped the Duke run, stopped them from blowing Carolina out, and allowed them to be there in the second half. That is your turning point of the game. The biggest player of the game, that was our, our biggest moment. The biggest player, well, let's first say there were contributions all around. All five starters, just each of them you could look at and point to one, two, three, four things and say that helped, that helped, that was a winning play. And so I, at the same time, though, we still have to point out somebody to be the guy for the game. It's funny, it's interesting, given all the speculation about who had to perform well, who had to stop whom for the Tar Heels to spring the upset or even just keep it close. I frankly don't recall hearing anybody, myself included, uttering the name R.J. Davis. But you know what? He was the MVP of this thing. Again, every Tar Heel starter contributed impactful moments, but it was Davis's steady floor leadership, um, his scoring, all of that, that helped set the tone. You saw it. Davis and Baycott got the, the pick and roll game going and Duke was incapable of stopping it. And so they just went back to it over and over and over. And Davis just kept making great decision after great decision, whether it was going to the basket, which he did very well, or finding Baycott for one of another one of his tough shots over Mark Williams. His management of the game his floor general job that he did kept Carolina going. He played all 40 minutes. He was an extension. That cool demeanor I talked about that Coach Davis had, uh, Coach R.J. Davis was an extension of Coach Davis's cool demeanor. Shot 9 for 16 from the field, 2 of 4 from the three-point line, 1 of 2 at the free-throw line, added 5 rebounds. This guy, for a 6-foot player, gets a lot of good rebounds. 21 points, 4 assists, 2 turnovers, 2 steals, and a block, filling up the stat sheet. And so again, it was R.J. Davis's savvy that kept Carolina going, attacking the rim, making tough layups in traffic, and, and that, that pick and roll game with he and Armando Baycott just eviscerated Duke's defense in the second half. And with Baycott himself, we're going to say more about that in a second, um, didn't end up getting his double-double, but you know what? He will gladly trade what happened in Cameron Indoor Stadium for the double-double record. R.J. Davis, way to have yourself a game, young man. Well, we've talked about Coach Davis' signature win. We've talked about a turning point. We've talked about the biggest player in the game. And with all that, we haven't actually dug into some of the other major storylines of the game on a, on a deeper level. And so we're going to do that in just a minute, including the shady stat of the game. But first, I need to tell you about Stat Hero. Y'all, it is the most wonderful time of the year. This coming Sunday is Selection Sunday, and then all the March Madness hoopla kicks into full gear. Stat Heroes NCAA Single Game Pick'em pits the star players against each other in an, in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. So you can take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the upper hand, and you can start focusing on the players you know best with a gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. 
Stat Hero gives you the advantage, resulting in their gamers winning four times more often. Why? Because Stat Hero eliminates the mystery about who or what you're going up against. In addition to those picking games, they also have dozens of lineups you can comb through to take on head to head. They simply post a set of players for you to take on with a set of players from your own choosing. Stat Hero is the easiest and fastest way to get your sports action fix. The simple, sleek gameplay will have you playing in no time. This is what Daily Fantasy was meant to be. So sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's right. Stathero.com slash locked on. And if you use promo code locked on, you will get a 100% match. Terms and conditions apply. Let me also tell you about Built Bar. Built Bars are great candy bar replacement options covered in 100% real chocolate. Some of the great flavors coming out right now are mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new is white chocolate cookies and cream. All of these are delicious, and plus, new flavors are coming out all the time. At Built Bar, they are all about the taste. They want to figure out how to make these bars taste good, and then they'll go back and make sure that it is healthy. I'm not sure how they pull that off, but they always do it. Typical candy bars ring in anywhere from two to 300 calories, but these Built Bars have just 130. Plus, only 4 grams of sugar, just 4 net carbs, and about 17 grams of protein. So, go to Built Bar, uh, excuse me, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Well, we've looked at all this stuff surrounding the game. We've dived a little bit into the game, but I want to get into the nitty-gritty just a little bit more, starting with the shady stat of the game. For those of you watching on YouTube, you see me putting my sunglasses on. Yes, yeah, right, because we got to get in the shade. Here it is, the shady stat of the game. Four Tar Heel starters scored 20 or more points. That's right, you heard me. 20 or more points for Armando Baycott, Brady Manick, R.J. Davis, and Caleb Love. In the history of Carolina basketball, that has literally never happened before. It's amazing that with all the games played, historical things, first-time events are happening all the time. <laughs> Get that in your head. Four Tar Heels each scored 20 or more points. That's your shady stat of the game. Let's dig into some of the other storylines. I've got five things I want to hit on for you. First off is the ACC Player of the Year conversation that we talked quite a bit about last week. And in, in full focus in this game is Armando Baycott versus Paolo Bancaro. They weren't guarding each other as much this game as they did the first time. Obviously, Carolina's trying to protect Baycott from foul trouble. And so, uh, coming into the game, as, as you're probably well aware, and I referenced just a little bit ago, Baycott had an opportunity to set the Carolina single-season double-double record. Was coming in tied with Bryce Johnson at 23 double-doubles, but unfortunately, in this game, fell just three rebounds shy. I mean, honestly... He had 23 points on 10 of 11 shooting against Mark Williams, who's probably going to wind up being the ACC Defensive Player of the Year, although we all know who it should be, right? Come on. But Mark Williams is an impressive, impressive defender. Baycott's getting up all sorts of crazy shots. 
And honestly, even though he didn't get his double-double, as I just said, I think he would gladly trade this victory for the record. Plus, he's going to have more opportunities, at least two at the minimum, more opportunities to set the Carolina record. One of the big moments was that Baycott came extremely close to picking up his third foul in the first half, but thankfully the ref called a block, borderline call went in his favor, and then the big man didn't pick up a single foul in the second half, which was incredibly important because, as you know, the five starters played all 20 minutes of the second half. That's right, Hubert Davis did not sub a single player in the final 20 minutes. Now, specific to the Baycott versus Bancaro conversation, the ACC player of the year, I don't think either one of them stood out as like, I have clearly in this game cemented myself above the other. They both did great things. And so I think for voters, however they came into the game feeling about Baycott and Bancaro, they left the game feeling the same way. They both scored 23 points. And so, uh, which was the, the high score for both teams. But when you look at the, the box score a little bit more deeply, here's what you see. You know how I just said Baycott was 10 of 11 shooting? My man Bancaro took 26 shots to get his 23 points. How inefficient is that when you compare it to 10 of 11? Yeah, that's a thing. My vote is going to my man Armando Baycott. All right, next thing I want to hit on when we think about this game is the free throws. I've, I've talked some about the historic job Carolina is doing at the free throw line, and Saturday night did nothing to change that. They continue to shoot at a historic level. The last five games, the five-game winning streak they're on, remember the two Saturday-Monday turnarounds and then Saturday night at Duke? They have taken 93 free throws in those five games and made 80 of them. That's right. They've taken 93 free throws and only missed 13. That's an 86.0 free throw percentage in those five games. On the season, they're up to 77%, which is still sitting at second place all time for Carolina as a team, a full percentage point ahead of the third place finishers. By the way, Caleb Love's 12-for-12 effort at the free throw line on Saturday night moved him into first place all-time in career free throw percentage for Carolina. We'll see if he can hang on to that. He's only 11 hundredths of a percentage point above Shamond Williams. Wow, wow, wow. Turnovers played a huge role in this game in that Carolina didn't commit them. You'll recall several times lately I've talked about the struggles Carolina has had with their turnovers of late. That was not the case tonight, although it seemed like it might be. I say tonight, on Saturday night. Um, Carolina committed three turnovers in the first three minutes of a, in 11 seconds. And it, it was one of those like, oh boy, if, if this is the pace the Tar Heels are on, things are not going to go well tonight. You've got to hang on the ball to have a chance to win at Duke. But you know what happened? After that three-minute and 11-second stretch of turning it over three times, that's once every, like, 63 seconds, the Heels committed two more turnovers over the final 36 minutes and 49 seconds of the game, including only once in the second half when all five players who are playing all 20 minutes are exhausted, and yet one combined turnover. In fact, it was the first time all season that the Tar Heels had more steals than turnovers. They had seven steals, just five turnovers. First time this season they've done that. 
And as you would imagine, five turnovers is also the lowest total for a game this season. They had six against Michigan. This barely edges that out. And in fact, in the two games against Duke this season, the Tar Heels are averaging just six and a half turnovers a game. That is the kind of thing you have to do to beat your rival. All right, the last two things I want to hit on as we dig into the storylines a little bit more deeply is a little bit more on Caleb Love and then a little bit about Brady Manick. Now, Caleb Love, his his performance was very similar to what he did earlier in the week on Monday against Syracuse. Didn't shoot great from the field, was 4 of 17, but as I just said a minute ago, was perfect from the line, 12 of 12. And he had a really strong assist-to-turnover ratio, 5-1, to one, better than even R.J. Davis's last night. To further illuminate my point about the comparison of the two games, combining Syracuse and Duke from the week, Love shot just 10 for 36 from the floor, but he hit 17 out of 17 from the free throw line, had eight total assists, and just one turnover. So yes, you want Love to shoot better from the floor, but... You literally can't do better from the free throw line. I mean, you can do a little better with hanging on to the ball, but only by one had just one turnover all week. Yes, Caleb Love, keep that going. We'll take that. And here's the other person I want to hit on, like I just said. What a strong performance from Brady Manick. Oklahoma, thank you for sending him to the Tar Heels. He, similar to R.J. Davis, really filled up the stat sheet on Saturday night. So while Baycott didn't get his double-double, Manick recorded his third of the season and the first time getting 20 points in a double, 20 points, 11 rebounds, plus hit five huge three-pointers, had three assists, just one turnover, and a couple really nice defensive stops against Paolo Bancaro. Remember, a lot was made about how's Carolina going to match up in this game, and it ended up being Manick that guarded Bancaro. And while Bancaro certainly got his, Brady Manick had some stops. He blocked Bancaro's first shot of the night, was right there with him on on many occasions. And so, remember earlier in the season, Brady Manick was really struggling with his three-point shot. He's now hit multiple three-pointers in five straight games, and he's made at least one three-pointer in 22 games in a row. Carolina's played 31 games this season. He's hit at least one three-pointer in 29 of them. That is what you need from your uh, most veteran player, the grad transfer, Brady Manick. Way to go, young man. Do Hera, Oklahoma, proud. Well, there's obviously so much more to be said about this game. And as I promised, we're going to do that this week. You might notice that very... uh, noticeably, I'll just say that word again, I didn't talk really about Leaky Black at all. I promise you, we're going to get to Leaky. We didn't really talk about the postseason ramifications of Carolina's Duke win. We're going to get to that. All of that will come tomorrow. But for today, that is it for this episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Please let me encourage you as always to go subscribe to the show wherever you listen to or watch podcasts. If if you listen to audio formats, go find it wherever you listen, subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, please, please, please hit that subscribe button and and log in that way. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels and you can follow me, Isaac Shade, at Isaac Shade. You see it right there. Great. And if you like what you're hearing, tell a friend. March is here. Things are heating up. Would love for you to dive in. We'll talk about all sorts of what's going on with March Madness and everything else with Carolina Athletics. Coming up tomorrow, 
Uh, I promise we're going to talk more about this game. We're going to talk about the NFL Combine recap that I said we were going to talk about today when we thought Carolina would probably lose this game. And I'll go ahead and get you primed for the ACC tournament, which kicks off on Tuesday. Thanks so, so much for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen every single day. And now I want to encourage you to make Locked on NFL Draft your second listen. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Hey, thank you so much for spending part of your Monday talking Carolina sports with me. And really today it was just Carolina basketball. Why? Because the Tar Heels did what they had to do. They're going dancing. It is a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until tomorrow, peace!